building, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. Light 'em up, boys. That's right. Did you hear that last show? All about immortality. Yes. <laughs> I always meant to die young and beautiful, but it's too late now. Ah,、uh, this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is January the tenth, two thousand and seventeen. Am I still writing sixteen? Yes, I am. <laughs> January the tenth, two thousand and seventeen. Okay, it's back to the drawing board, boys and girls. Ah, this is where I came in. <laughs> Trump, 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 de dump, de Trump, de dump, de heads for a fall. Trump, de dump, de drop. The ball, all the king's money and all the king's lies, will never make Trumpy Dumpy the least bit wise. Trumptocracy, we got a Trumptocracy. Oh, who knew? Who knew? The only thing I can say for the Donald. Is that he certainly appears to be utterly transparent. What you see is what you get. <laughs> you know, you won't hear him say, "I am not a crook."、Uh, this guy is、uh, proud, proud to be a shyster, a chiseler, a con man. He's a real estate tycoon. Pays no taxes. Cheats his employees. Denigrates women. <laughs> A good old boy. Ah,、oh, he has no use for immigrants or people of color or Mexicans or Muslims、uh, or disabled individuals.、Uh, he suffers from what we call otherism—that is, people who are not like him.、Uh, he is the most inclusive bigot we have、uh, in politics just at the moment.、Uh, <laughs> His megalomania is absolute. Ah, is there anything more entertaining than human? What is the word?、Uh, human absurdity. If he has any generosity or regard for his fellow men or women, certainly never his fellows. Right?、Uh, if he has.、Uh, That impulse, you know, to reach out,、uh, connect—it's certainly limited to his family.、Um, nep- 
nepotism rules we see from his appointment of his son-in-law. Yes, the son-in-law is a long story. Uh, maybe I'll check that out soon, but it's pretty obvious. Uh, anyway, uh, the folks on his team, I guess he means to start a dynasty with his loyal followers, supporters, the winners. Hmm, the man is a prophet of greed. Greed is good. Yes, that's what we teach, yes. Like a feudal lord or a tribal chief, his convictions are based on oh, hierarchy, ownership, property, you know, the king thing. Good people are always those uh, on his side, completely loyal, uh, those who serve him or promote his interests. Uh, if you're not for him, well, you're the bad guy, you're the loser. Uh, it's perfectly simple. Uh, I think uh, I certainly felt that way until I was at least 11. His belief system is archaic. Uh, his appeal seems to be to the very human impulse to take, grab, get what he can get where he can get it. The Art of the Deal is the title of the first significant biography of Trump written back in the 1980s. The author of that uh, propaganda is a promotion job. Uh, the author says he never dreamt that Donald Trump you know, would run for president. Uh, he says that the book was a Faustian bargain. He needed the money. Yes, Moloch, Moloch, money rules. When asked uh, just what he, the author, would title his book today, 20 years after its publication, uh, he told an interviewer that... Uh, <laughs> That the title today would be The Sociopath. Now, the folks, the people who voted for Trump, are certainly responding to his reckless, rapacious, grasping, win-any-way-you-can philosophy. <laughs> you know, um, it's the sort of thing, it's the sort of thing, I think of the all the... The rallies and the things. I remember the football team in high school. Anyway, I know how all that feels. Uh, camaraderie is what it should mean, but it doesn't in his case. Yeah. Grab for all the gusto you can get and, uh, keep it in your own, in your own, uh, group. Yes. I think of the old brain, you know, that that brain stem, this is a reptilian uh, stem back in the back there. Uh, it's so strong, the old brain. It's uh, still the most instinctive part of our uh, psyche. It's our instinctive drives. Yes, give me some more and I will do damn near anything. To get some more, to get it all, in fact. It is good to be the king.
Question now is, just what is he going to do with it? Uh, all the power that one man can have in today's world has been bestowed upon this character, uh, I suppose, the leader of the most powerful nation on earth, is the king. Top of the world, Ma. You remember James Cagney in White Heat, the movie in which the criminal played by James Cagney ends his life by blowing up a power station. He goes up in a blaze of glory, the gory glory. I think of Zeus, the thunder god, you know. I'm become death, the destroyer of worlds. I always wondered when Oppenheimer said that. What did he think he was inventing? Penicillin? Anyway, it's all a mega metaphor. Uh, I think of the final shots in Kubrick's movie, Dr. Strangelove. Uh, years ago, I guess that was Vietnam War days, Dr. Strangelove. The bombs are going off all over the world, you know, the mushroom clouds covering the earth. And there's a, a story, a rumor, uh, about the filmmakers... Uh, they they were working on the ending of the movie. It was, of course, about men's self-destructive impulses. Much humor there. It's a very funny movie. Uh, and the filmmaker's first idea was to show these world leaders uh, and, well, all them, the others there, the silverbacks all gathered together there in the big room with the big map. Uh, yes, the military guys and the diplomats and the scientists, all the players in international politics. Uh, and the filmmakers thought, well, we'll have all these guys, all these characters, throw pies in each other's faces. Uh, hmm. You know, I I think... <laughs> I think that's just too human. It's too sweet. The decision, of course, was to have the cowboy yelling at the end. That's pretty good. Yeah, he rides the bomb down and uh, all the way to Earth, right? Goes out with a bang. Whoopee! A bang. Actually, I think it's more likely to be a whimper. Uh... <laughs> but they want to go out in glory. Hasta la vista, baby. Ha. I think of Valhalla, my favorite TV series this season. Uh, is called Vikings. It's all about the Nordic boys. Uh, they imagine an afterlife in Valhalla. The Volcaries will come and take them to Valhalla when they die. They will eat and drink and fornicate and have poetry and song and be the subject of great poems and epics. Yes. Well, yes, that's immortality. Aha, uh -huh. just the sort of imaginative delusion that the young martyrs today are looking forward to with those 72 virgins, you know, waiting for them in heaven. They have a little key around their neck. Uh, yes, I mean to... Heaven. Uh, anyway, uh, their elders promise them this prize if they go and die for, uh, shall we call it, the fatherland? Uh, 
the elders are curious. Uh, I think my favorite, my favorite line is always, nothing will change until the fathers love their sons, but, uh, well, love their sons more than they hate their enemies. But no, not so far. I saw a movie this week called Where Do We Go Now? Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. I just, I just thought it was terrific. It was the sort of thing, uh, well, try to be funny, try to be humorous about martyrdom. Uh, all the young men, you know, are going off to war. And uh, the story is told by the women of a village in Lebanon. And it has all this Mediterranean mood. And uh, there are Muslims and Christians, uh, about half and half in this village. The crescent compete with the cross, you know, the sort of thing. It's kind of a musical. Every once in a while they break into song. Uh, it's a very charming movie. got all kinds of awards. Uh, the opening and closing scenes are wondrous recreations of an ancient Greek chorus. The women are mostly widows or mothers who have lost their sons. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> The story, once again, the story is, where do we go now? They are uh, at their wit's end. Uh, at some point, uh, a television set is introduced for the whole village. They all have to sit together because they only have the one set. And uh, the television set sparks terrific division. I mean, a Muslim woman yells, there's too much sex, you know, get the, change the channel, change the channel. There's kissing going on there. And then they turn on the news. So then all hell breaks loose. They learn uh, about the fighting that's happening all around them. Uh, <laughs> yes. Where do we go now? Jigs up both sides run out of options in the end, but only after the women send away for Russian strippers and they finally cook up cakes full of hashish and all the men get stoned and the women watch while they become, uh, what, each other's brothers. But once the effects of the drugs wear off, the uproar starts again and I can't tell you the women's final effort. It's too special to give it away. I don't want to. Spoiler alert. I don't want to tell you. But uh, the message, I guess, is that we must we must try, try, you know, to manage joyous participation in the sorrows of the world. Uh, I love the graveyard scene. Yes, in the graveyard, even dead, they are divided. <laughs> Made me think of Thomas Jefferson's uh, graveyard at Thomas Jefferson's uh, estate. Yes, Monticello, uh, the uh, black half of the family or the people who have some African heritage are buried in a separate graveyard from the white folks. They're trying to change that, but, you know, 
It's only been, what, 250 years, I guess. Uh, there's no use getting angry, no use fussing human psychology, human psychology, psychology, yes. I'm angry, yes. Human psychology is a constant, never changes. Some say that our human emotions are evolving, or at least our understanding of these emotions of human pathology, uh, you know, uh, the scientists tell us that we are expanding consciousness, that we are growing in awareness. There's a chance that we can be educated, shown ways to control or modify our behavior. Maybe a new drug. I remember that. Those are drugs, Soma, in Brave New World. Yes. Something, you just take the pill and then you're a nice person. I don't think that pill's going to work out. In the 1950s, my psych professor told me that it has always been a race between education and disaster. She said that education, that is the teaching of humane choices has to be repeated every generation even in every decade she said this past week the actress Meryl Streep gave a little speech you know at the awards ceremony uh, mm-hmm. she's trying to educate to inform teach warn caution Try to tell people that the images of uh, Donald Trump's inhumanity and incivility, mean-spirited behavior, that this stuff is toxic. (laughs) I always say there are only three rules for raising children. Example, example, example. So, we know that if the grown-ups act like monsters, you know, we're so busy killing the killers, kill the killers, kill the killers. The only thing we can expect is that the next generation will learn to do the same thing. Ah. Yes, sociopaths beget more sociopaths. Ah. I don't know why it's always so... uh, so difficult for people to think about that. I was thinking of the the um, young man who's just, well, he's killed five and wounded 13, and never mind. I, I can't go over all that material again, but uh, the question, of course, is always, you know, how we can destroy him. Uh, I always think of a line in Samuel Beckett's poem, Thinking of all the the children, the young people coming in the future, growing up around us. Uh, oh, Samuel Beckett wrote, If you do not love me, I shall not love. That's the big one, boys and girls. If we are not loved, well... <laughs> We will not love. Uh, We learn by example. 
Of course, now most of us find something, a source, someone who will love us, if not a parent, then some other adult, somebody, somebody reaches out to us, uh, teacher, mentor, uh, uh, they call it the role model, moral example sounds too stuffy, anyway, uh, these elders show us what it looks like. What civility uh, feels like. What love does for us. Yes, the moral example, yes, will lift our spirits. Maybe it's a story or a song. I'm one of those who thinks that aesthetics is the mother of ethics. We have to tell the right stories. Put on the right plays. Uh, you know, <laughs> enlightenment, light up, light up the world. Uh, first sign of life is, of course, laughter. Enlightened people invariably have a sense of humor. Uh, it's one of the first, the first signals or signs of empathy, sympathy, uh, the recognition of our shared fate. You know, when you hear laughter, you know the tension uh, goes away and anxiety goes away. Uh, oh, smile, yes, our sense of the absurd. It's what teaches us to, <laughs> to connect. Yes, to see the joke, the great cosmic joke. Teach us to care. Give a damn, T.S. Eliot. Wrote, teach us to care and not to care. That's it. That's it. Uh, that's my mantra these days. Hmm. Getting in touch. Getting in touch. Not just with others, but with your own inner, inner. Yes, your inner child. I love that. Uh, I like to get in touch with my inner beach bum. Just goof off until things fall apart, and then I get guilty, and the guilt makes me shape up and, you know, do the dishes, answer the mail, and, uh, but then suddenly things make me really angry, and I don't think the little stuff does any good. I get really PO'd. I can't use that P word on the air. <laughs> then I have to get in touch with my inner Nazi, my inner fascist bloody. Hell, I yelled, damn, damn, damn. What does it take to wake people up? Huh. Maybe, hmm. maybe they're not supposed to. Maybe fate has something else in store for us. Uh, there is a point when I get in touch with my inner Nazi. That really tough cookie who can step all over people. That's the one who wants to kill the killers. Yes. Violence is the answer to violence. Ah, the inner Nazi, the one who can goose step all over everyone, especially their friends, right? Their fellow men, smash them, whack them, kick ass, give them hell. Oh, dear. I remember, 
a few years ago when I noticed that I got more respect for being, what do we call that? Uh, not just feisty, but antagonistic. I realized suddenly that that was the style that uh, <laughs> was appreciated. Uh, sweetness, nicety, no, 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 that didn't do it. But anyway, my bad, I... Uh, I I don't really mean that. I think that uh, we should all just be tender forever. Even if it offends people. Uh, <laughs> when I find myself acting just like the petty tyrants that we live among, uh, all our friends and neighbors... I have to go home, or at least go somewhere where I can be alone. Uh, remember that my job is to love, uh, love my Nazi neighbor, love thy Nazi neighbor. I remember Hillary Clinton once talking about the right wing, saying that they acted out of fear. Remember, they are afraid. What are they afraid of? If you can figure that out, you might able to help them in any case if you love them it will drive them nuts anyway remember when things go wrong it's time for a song only the poets can comfort us in these terrible times I think I have to go into a poem I have a journal I was going to read you I have to save it for next Tuesday it's May Sarton's journal about how we handle some of these things, how we deal with world pain. Her journal, it goes back 50 years, Vietnam War. I just wanted to read you a couple passages because it's exactly the same as what's happening now. Change the names, you know. Same behavior, same pain. My last two minutes, I want to... Uh, Look at Beckett's poem, Cascando. He seems to be disappearing into his reflection in the water. This poem is always my first, my first uh, effort to feel uh, that existence is always worth having. And the words do help. He writes, why not merely... The despaired of occasion of word shed. Is it not better abort than be barren the hours after you are gone are so leaden they will always start dragging too soon the grapples clawing blindly the bed of want and bringing up the bones the old loves sockets filled once with eyes like yours all always is it better too soon than never the black want splashing their faces saying again nine days never floated the loved nor nine months nor nine lives saying again if you do not teach me I shall not learn saying again there is a last even of last time 
times, last times of begging, last times of loving, of knowing, not knowing, pretending, a last, even of last times of saying, if you do not love me, I shall not be loved. If I do not love you, I shall not love. I'll finish Beckett's long poem next time. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till next Tuesday at this same time. Go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow out of sight. For over two decades, the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program has invited women and people of color to become radio producers. It's one of the only programs in the country that broadcasts the voices of people who are traditionally denied the radio waves. As an apprentice, you will be trained to write, edit, and produce radio that speaks your truth. Your voice will be the instrument of change that you want in the world. For more information on how to apply, call 510-848-6767, extension 235, or email us at apprenticeship at kpfa.org. The application deadline is Friday, January 27th at 5 p.m. It is now 3.30 here at KPFA 94.1 FM.